the fact that God loves his creation so much that he has said, I am giving you time to repent from your sins and turn towards me so that when I do return, so when the judgment does come, you can escape the judgment because you know Christ is your Lord and Savior. Is that not just an amazing, merciful, and kind God? So maybe instead of going, I can't believe he's not come yet, would it be altogether long to maybe pray, maybe God, hey, how about one more day so that I can tell one more person about the gospel? Are you looking for meaning or a word from God that's relevant to your life? Are you searching for a better understanding of who God is? Well, you're in the right place. You found the Gary Talks About God podcast. This is a weekly podcast that comes to you from the pulpit of Red Bank Missionary Baptist Church in Germantown, North Carolina. The podcast is hosted by Red Bank Senior Pastor Gary Sanders. Now let's get ready to take that walk through God's Word with our pastor, teacher, and friend. Hey, he's that guy we call Gary. 2 Peter chapter 3, we're going to be down in verse 10 and just, or excuse me, verse 8 in just a moment. And we're continuing in this section, right? Remember, Peter is in the middle of a, a, a long argument. The argument is, do not follow the false teachers. They're leading you astray, and the false teachers are basing their false teaching on the fact that Jesus hasn't returned. So since he hasn't returned, he's not going to return. Therefore, there's no judgment. Eat, drink, be merry. Do what you want. And Peter has been attacking that now, both in his first epistle and, and then all in chapter 2 of the second one. And then again in chapter 3, he's fleshing it out a little bit more. And he's going to answer the question, why the delay? Right? Why, why is there a delay in the promise of Jesus returning? And as, as you think about that, what is the longest you have ever waited for a promise to be fulfilled? Right? I, I was writing that question, and I was thinking about it, and, and I didn't have a good answer. I, I really didn't. So I, I'm borrowing an answer, and I'm borrowing it with permission, and she was given the opportunity to come up here and tell the story herself, but she decided not to. But someone that I know very well, and is part of my family, um, mother of my children, um, when she was five years old, wanted her ears pierced. And so she goes and she asks if she can get her ears pierced. And, and one of those things that dads just do that we sometimes maybe don't have a real reason for, but our default answer is no. Um, and dads know what I mean. Uh, her dad thought maybe she's a little bit too young, and she kept asking, and he kept saying no, and kept asking. And he finally said, I tell you what, when you turn eight, you can get your ears pierced. Now, y- y'all know of who, I'm, who I speak, and uh, y- you know that that just kind of set in her brain, and, and, and she remembered and on her eighth birthday, they actually traveled. They, they went to Myrtle Beach on her eighth birthday. Uh, they were going on vacation. And she wasn't all too happy about that because it was her eighth birthday. So on her eighth birthday plus one day, she went to the North Myrtle Beach Mall. Y'all remember that old, scary kind of one-level mall? Yep. So on her eighth birthday plus one day, after waiting three years and one day, the promise was fulfilled, and she got her ears pierced. And she was just as, as happy as she could be. But she waited, and she can't remember if she waited patiently or not, but she waited for three years and one day. That's, that's a long time for a promise to be fulfilled. Most of the time, if you wait that long, either you forget or the person who made the promise is hoping that you will forget. 
When we come to 2 Peter chapter 3 today, that's kind of the question. People, Peter is attacking this, this idea, this notion that, that Jesus isn't coming back. The promise that he made, he's not come back all this time. So he's obviously not. Now think about this as well. They're only like maybe at the outmost, we're, we're talking about maybe 30 years from the ascension. So 30 years on, they're going, he's not going to fulfill his promise. He's not coming back. Here we are 2,000 years later going, well, he, he promised he would come back, but, he, but he's not back yet. And so when we think about that, we immediately want to go, okay, well, why? Is, is, is there a reason for the delay? After all, he promised. He, he said that he was coming back. His parables taught that he was coming back. The angels in, in Acts testified uh, that, that he was coming back, right? The same Jesus whom you see up going up in heaven is going to come back the same way. The whole book of Revelation is really a testimony that Jesus is coming back. So, where is he? Why hasn't he come back? Well, Peter, in two, or excuse me, three verses, 8, 9, and 10, tell us why Jesus has not come back yet. So this is what Peter writes. But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night, excuse me, like a thief, and the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. So this morning, two reasons for the delay, air quotes, and then just one statement of fact at the end. So first of all, Peter draws our attention to this. God operates on a different timeline than we do. And, and we need to understand that. God operates on a different timeline. Now, I think that among us here this morning, that we think that time operates the same wherever you are. Now, it is correct that right now it is 1121 here in, in, in Germantown, and it is 1121 in New York, and it is 821 in California. And if you go up and down the East Coast, it's all the same time. If you go up and down the Pacific Coast, it's all the same time. And in that way, time does operate the same. However, when you travel outside of America, you quickly learn that time is very different depending on where you are. Th this was a, a rude awakening for us, right? Because in America, if something starts at 3 o'clock, it's supposed to start at 3 o'clock. 3.01 is acceptable. 3.05, you're pushing it. 3.10, not so much, right? And you don't start, to, you don't start at 2.59. It's, it starts at 3. Our mindset, it, it starts at 3, we got overseas and we learned 3 o'clock is, is, is just the, the best guess that a person is going to give you. And any time within the next couple of hours is, is, is perfectly acceptable. When we were in Romania, we attended an international church in Bucharest that started at 1. And when the congregation started, most of the, or excuse me, when the sermon started, most of the congregation wasn't there. They'd come in at 1.30, 1.45, 1.50. You 
when, when they came in. Just, just show up. Time is different. Time is different between parents and children. Have you ever noticed that? I mean, it, it, it's, it's very different. The, what, what we think as an adult in time. When, when did we learn this? You learned it as a kid when you're traveling, and then you saw the flip side when you were an adult traveling with kids. All right, my grandfather's answer every time I was like, how much longer? He's like, we're closer than we've been all day. Still don't tell me nothing. We ain't there. All right? It, 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 it's different. And Peter says that same idea that, that God operates on a different timeline is true as well. And Peter tells us that, that the Lord views time from eternity. Peter calls our attention to this and he says, look, he says, I want you to remember this. He says, do not overlook this one fact. That's an interesting way in discussing the return of Jesus where he starts. He says, there's one fact you need to not overlook. Because all the false teachers are saying, overlook this fact. Don't pay any attention to it. Peter says, you, you can't overlook it. Because if you do, you're going to fall victim to the people that said, hey, Jesus isn't coming back. And that's exactly what happens. And he says, look, the one fact is, the Lord views time from eternity as seen by the fact that with the Lord, one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. Now, do not turn this into a mathematical formula. Okay? Do, do not do that. Do not do and say, all right, well, seven days then for God obviously means 7,000 years. That is not at all what Peter is saying. Peter's saying that God views time from eternity. And he quotes right there Psalm 90. And Psalm 90, when you go back and you read that, the, one, the, the, the foremost points that's made in that psalm is that God is an eternal God from everlasting to everlasting. And it is only from the perspective of eternity that a thousand years can look like a day. That psalm goes on to, say, to compare that eternal aspect of God with our temporal lives, where our lives are short. We do not view time from eternity. Right? Right now, you are viewing your time from 11.25 to 12 o'clock. Will I beat the lines at the restaurant? That's how we view time. Y'all are operating on the next 35 minutes. If Gary can get through a sermon, get his point made, I can sit down first to eat lunch today on Mother's Day. I understand that. Do you see the difference? But God looks at it from a thousand years ago. And for us, a thousand years, can any of you really comprehend a thousand years? I mean, I can't. A thousand years ago was, was 2021, so a thousand years ago was 1,021. That was the beginning of the Holy Roman Empire, which I always got to throw in was neither holy nor Roman nor an empire, but that's a history lesson, not a theological one. But you think back to a thousand years ago. What, what did it even look like? I mean, we, we, we can't comprehend it. What will a thousand years from now look like? We can't comprehend it. The best I think we can do is a hundred. Because we've known people to live to be a hundred. We kind of have that idea in our minds. A lot of people will live a life that, that spans close to 100. But a 1,000 years, 
We can't comprehend. The best Methuselah did in the Bible was 969. So Peter says, look, our lives are temporary and transitory. But God, He is eternal. And as such, we view time from this, this lower plane of just from when we're born to when we die in this span of our lifetime where God views all of time through the lens of eternity. But it's not just that He lives and, and, and views time from eternity. He views time from above time. And what I mean by that is we live within time. Right? We, we have everybody here has a watch or a phone on that has a time. We'll check the time. Have you ever wondered how many times a day you, you check to see what time it is? Right? We're constantly looking at time. We live within the framework of time. Well, I've got 10 minutes to do this, and then I've got to do that so I can do that so I can be here at this time. And then when I get there, I've got an hour because then I've got to be somewhere else an hour and a half later. And, and if, I'm, if I'm careful and traffic doesn't you know, slow me down and I don't lose time in traffic, then I can be here to do this and do that. And by time, maybe I can be home by this evening at this time and have dinner by then. All we live is within the, the framework of time. That's all we know. God, on the other hand, does not. He transcends time, and so because of that, because He is eternal, really the passing of time for God, and I'm going to state my point a little bit stronger than probably it is, the passing of time for God is kind of irrelevant. If you're eternal, what is the passing of time? I mean, it doesn't mean that He's not aware of it. But if you're eternal, time to a certain degree does not have any meaning. And that's what Peter's logic is. And it, it, it makes us a little uncomfortable at first. But the whole point that he is trying to make is to help us to understand God's view on time so we don't become anxious that he has not returned yet. And the point that Peter is, is, is making is that since the passing of time does not affect God, it does not change him. Right? Time changes us. Right? Anybody want to argue that time does not change you? Any takers? Okay. I realized time was changing me when I had to buy reading glasses. I was holding Lottie yesterday and I was like, oh, wait. Oh, there you are. You, you know? What happened? Well, some time <laughs> impacted my eyes. But Peter is saying time does not change God. God is the same when? Yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And for that reason, we do not need to be anxious about this so-called delay. Because what we understand is it's not really a delay. Again, if time, if you're above time and you're eternal and you view time through the lens of eternal, being eternal, then time is, 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 yes, it's a concept that God invented, but he's above the concept. We're the only ones concerned with time. And so as Peter writes this, and he focuses on, on Psalm 90, I read somewhere a, a good quote that says, The desire of the psalmist is to contrast the eternity of God with the short span of human life. And what St. Peter wishes is to contrast the eternity of God with the impatience of human expectations. 
leading us to think, hey, we want God, we want Jesus to return on our timeline. Right? How many times have we wanted God to do something in a way that makes sense for us? God, why, why haven't you acted? God, why, why haven't you done this yet? God, don't you know what's going to happen if you don't do something? Right? Y'all, y'all, is, is that just me or have y'all, y'all prayed that one too? But that's not Peter's point. And Peter's saying, look, we cannot be impatient about the return of Jesus. He is going to come back. He will do this just as he has promised. So don't be impatient and don't let your human interaction with time and concept of time to make you say Jesus is not going to fulfill his promise because God operates on a different timetable than we do. Well, Peter, after he makes that theological statement, says, all right, I want to make another one for you. I want to make it a little more practical. And what Peter points out is that God acts differently than we do. He says in verse 9, he says, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise. He's not going to be slow to fulfill this. But one of the ways that he is being slow, one of the reasons for the delay, is because he is acting differently than we think he should or that we may want him to. But the truth is, the reason that God is acting differently is really good for us. It's a great benefit for us. And he says one of the reasons that, that Jesus has not come back yet, but we need to remember, is that he's, he's, he's going to fulfill his promise. And that's the first way that God acts differently than us. That the Lord is going to fulfill his promise. Every one of us here has made a promise that we have not kept. Either we use the word loosely or flippantly, or maybe we legitimately forgot. I promise that I will do that. I promise to take you here. And we, we forget. We don't do it. You promised me you'd pick up milk from the store. Well, we, yeah, okay, and you forgot. It happens. It, it, it's, it's who we are. You forget the blueberries at Sam's Club. It happens. <laughs> but Peter says, let me remind you that God will not forget his promise. Go back to Genesis 3.15. God promises that a Savior would come. And it's not till we get to Galatians 4.4 that we read, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son. God didn't fulfill that promise in nine months. Thousands of years went by from that promise in the garden in Genesis 3.15 to the incarnation of Christ in the Gospels. But then we read through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, God never forgot. But when it was right, He sent forth His Son. He, he promised Jesus came on God's timeline. So there's no reason for us to think that God is slow to keep His promise. Why? Remember, He operates from eternity and outside of time. But Peter says, compare that to the false teachers who are making you all these promises. You don't have to worry about judgment. You don't have to worry about Jesus coming back. He says, they're not going to be able to fulfill their promises because what you're going to find out is if you listen to the false teachers, 
their promises are not going to come to fruition. And Jesus is going to keep his promise and come back. And then you're going to be in a world of trouble. Because you decide to ignore the truth of Scripture. The truth of uh, Jesus' own words. The truth of the prophets. The truth of the apostles. And ignore what he said. So Peter says, you need to understand right now that Jesus will fulfill his promise and he will come back. Peter says, until then, you need to understand that the Lord is patient towards us. The Lord is patient. That's the way he writes. He said, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but his patience toward, and just, just go ahead and scratch out you and write your name in there. Just, just go ahead and put your name. Because that's what Peter is saying, that the Lord is patient towards us. He is patient towards Gary. And thank God that he is an eternal, long-suffering, loving God who has an eternal patience. Because I'm pretty sure that Gary has tested his patience a time or two. But he is patient towards us. And you go throughout Scripture, and you look at this. You see all the times that God is patient. That God is patient towards sinners. Right? I, I mean, he, he, he really is. God is, is slow to anger. And His anger is never a raging inferno seeking to devour anything in its path. His anger is, is slowly aroused, right? We, we go back to Scripture, and we, we can go back to the times of Noah. And everybody forgets that there were 120 years of Noah preaching righteousness before the flood. It wasn't, you're wicked, bam, you're dead. It's 120 years. Go to Sodom and Gomorrah, and we see the patience of the Lord there. We see the Israelites coming back into the land because the time of the iniquity of the Amorites was not yet complete. God was patient with a sinful nation. You go and you read the prophet Jonah. You get to the end, and Jonah's basically going, God, why were you patient with them long enough to hear the message and repent? God, if you weren't patient with them and just smited them at the beginning, that would have been great. One of the reasons that the Lord, His delay in coming is because He's patient towards us. He's patient towards you, patient towards me, but His patience does not negate His coming judgment. Nor does it negate, and this is important too, nor does it negate, or nor does it imply, I should say, that God tolerates sin. God's patience is, 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 is part of his mercy. Because as Peter writes that, he says, look, if all of the progression, the Lord will keep his promise, he's coming back, but until then, he's patient with you because the Lord desires repentance. But he is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. Isn't that amazing? Because when you go back and you look at God's judgments, He gave warnings. Right? He gave warnings. Even when the people are going into the land and they're standing on, on the mountains, right? And there's, you've got some of the Levites over here and some of the Levites over here. And, and one side is shouting down curses and one side is shouting down blessings. And even then the Lord says, but if you turn from me, 
this is what's going to happen. But if you turn and come back, then I will bring you back in. Why? Because contrary to this idea of a vindictive, mean God of the Old Testament who looks just to smite and stone and kill anybody and everybody, God is a loving God who is patient towards us because He wants His children to come back to Him. He was patient with you so that you could reach repentance. Right? Say it with me. John 3.16. Say it, say it with me. For God loved the world that He sent His only Son, whosoever shall not Very good. Now say John 3.17. No. Very good. Y'all all get gold stars. All right? We love John 3.16. It's a good verse, but John 3.17 kind of elaborates. Why did Jesus come? Why did he die on the cross? Because his whole point was to come, not to condemn the world, but to save it. 1 Timothy 2, 3-4. It says it is good and pleasing in the sight of God our Savior who desires all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Why is God patient? Why is Jesus' return being delayed? Because God is being patient towards sinners and hoping that Christians will go out and preach the gospel and point them to Christ so that they will turn and repent from their sins. That's the missionary heart of God. That people would be saved. Now let's put this in practical terms. Because for most of us here, I didn't become a believer the first time I heard the gospel. I don't think I've ever asked this question, so I'm just curious. And and, I mean, just to satisfy my own curiosity. Anybody become a believer the very first time they heard the gospel? I don't see any hands. And I'm going to be honest, I don't know anybody like that either. What if God wasn't patient with you the first time you heard Or the second, or the third, or after five years. Right? What, what if God was, was, was not patient for you? Oh, you heard, you didn't respond. Sorry. Man, I wouldn't have made it past six. <laughs> Why has Jesus not come back? Because he wants people to repent. He wants people to turn towards him. And when we talk about repentance, we need to understand it's not a change of opinion. Okay, it's, it's not a change of opinion. It, it's not going, all right, you know what? Jesus was a really good guy, so I think I like him. Repentance is completely deserting uh, deeds connected to sin, to sin, getting rid of them. Repentance is turning from your sin to God. Repentance is doing the good works that that God has laid out for us as as evidence of our repentance. Repentance is enduring to the end as it will reveal the genuineness of our repentance. Peter says Jesus is slow in returning because he wants people to repent. Jesus starts preaching. What was, this fir- what was the first word of the first message Jesus ever preached? 
It was repent. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Now, to me, this is just amazing. The fact that God loves his creation so much that he has said, I am giving you time to repent from your sins and turn towards me so that when I do return, so when the judgment does come, you can escape the judgment because you know Christ is your Lord and Savior. Is that not just an amazing, merciful, and kind God? So maybe instead of going, I can't believe he's not come yet, would it be altogether long to maybe pray, maybe God, hey, how about one more day so that I can tell one more person about the gospel? You ever thought about that? Hey, Jesus, can you delay a little bit more because I've I got somebody here I, I, I'm working on and I need you to be a little bit more patient with them. Because at his heart, Peter reminds us that he, is, he desires repentance. And then Peter just makes a blanket, you know, then Peter stops with the, with, you know, the, the arguments and just makes a statement of fact. He just says, but, but know this, verse 10, the day of the Lord will come. He just says, you, you just need to know as I finish this, Peter says, he's going to come back. 100%, absolutely, the day of the Lord that has been talked about through all Scripture. And, and we spent some time in our study of Revelation talking about the day of the Lord, so go back and look at that. The day of the Lord will come, and with the day of the Lord, the day of the Lord brings judgment. That's the whole point. But Peter says, it's going to come. And he says, it's going to come like a thief, which means it's going to come sudden. The Lord's return will be sudden. And he points back to the parable Jesus told in Matthew 24 about the, the, the worker or the owner who goes away. And he says, if, if the owner knew that the thief was coming, he would have stayed up. He went and went to sleep. Not that he went away, excuse me, he went to sleep. But if, if he was coming... If he knew the thief was coming, that the owner would be what? Be awake and it would be in his clothes, be, be ready to go, jump up at the moment's notice. So Peter says, hey, stop predicting, stop guessing, stop denying, but he is going to come back. And we talked about that, right? He's going to come back sooner than we thought. He's going to come back later than we thought. But he is going to come back because... And in that is a great warning that Jesus' long-suffering is not limitless. Right? There were 120 years, then there was judgment. There was 400 years, and then there was judgment. There will be a lifetime, and then there will be judgment. So Peter says, it's, it's going to be sudden, and the time to prepare for it is now. The time to prepare is now. Peter goes on and says that the Lord's return will be visible and it's going to be audible as well. He says right there, he says the heavens will pass away with a roar and the bodies will be burned up and dissolved. And so you're going to see all of it. You're going to, you're going to hear all of it. One of the things I think, I, I, just, I, I kind of have to laugh at the same time I kind of don't laugh. You know, when we read about this and people going, oh, you, you missed Jesus, he didn't return. Everything that Jesus said about his return leads you to come to the conclusion, you won't miss it. It's not going to happen. <laughs> and you left wondering, why did that just happen? 
wow, everything just turned dark and moons and stars exploded and there was a lot of really loud noise and there's earthquakes and mountains falling. I wonder what's going on. You'll see it, you will hear it, you will know when it occurs. And then Peter says that his return will be complete. He says, and the works that are done on it will be exposed. Nothing will be lacking. Everything will be revealed. And Peter uses this in the terms of like a court trial where everyone's deeds are discovered and listed. He says, God's going to see everything. God is the ultimate and last judge that we will ever face. And the false teachers are sowing doubt, saying, hey, he's not really going to come back, so you don't have to worry about seeing him as judge. And Peter says, nope, 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 nope. Not only is he going to come back, not only will he, he bring with him judgment, he is going to be, you will see him, and you, he will be the last judge that you see. And it doesn't really matter what any earthly judge thinks of you. The ultimate truth is what does the heavenly judge think of you? Will you be found judged as a believer in Christ or will you be found lacking? And we were talking about that in the, on the way up the car this morning, you know, that, that old preacher analogy, if you were put on trial for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? Peter is saying, Jesus is, is coming back. It's going to be complete. Everything is going to be revealed. And when he sits in judgment, are you going to be declared? Are you going to be found one of his are you going to be found as someone who said, you know what, I don't think he's coming back. I think I'm good. And Peter says, don't be like that. <laughs> don't be stubborn and hard-headed. Instead, accept the Lord's delay as his way of being patient towards you so that you can come to repentance. So on that day of judgment, when you stand before God, you will be found in Christ. And when you are found in Christ, then instead of being judged and experiencing God's wrath, you will be judged as belonging to Him and experience God's rest. That's what Peter is arguing for. That is why Jesus has not come back yet. And that becomes a clarion call to the church to be intentional and missional in sharing the message of repentance so that people will be found in the righteousness of Christ when he comes back. You've been listening to the Gary Talks About God podcast. Are you looking for a church? Well, Red Bank Missionary Baptist Church is a community of believers who exist to glorify God and see transformed lives through the gospel of Jesus Christ. You can find us on the web at www.redbankmbc.com. Also, come visit us on Sunday at 8104 Red Bank Road in Germantown, North Carolina. Did you like this podcast? We put one out each and every week, so don't forget to subscribe. We hope this has been a blessing to you, and we thank you for listening.